Welcome to the Beach Catholic Podcast with Father Brian Barr. In this episode, you'll have the opportunity to listen to the Gospel and Father Brian Barr's homily from this past Sunday. Don't forget to check out our other episodes where Father Brian joins me for discussion and additionally answers any listener questions. But until then, here's the homily from May 14, 2017, the fifth Sunday of Easter. The Lord be with you. Reading from the Holy Gospel according to John. Jesus said to his disciples, Do not let your hearts be troubled. You have faith in God. Have faith also in me. In my Father's house there are many dwelling places. If there weren't, would I have told you that I'm going to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back again and take you to myself, so that where I am going, so that where I am, you also may be. Where I am going, you know the way. Thomas said to him, Master, we don't know where you're going. How can we know the way? Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you know me, then you will also know my Father. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. Philip said to him, Master, show us the Father and that will be enough for us. Jesus said to him, have I, been, have I been with you for so long a time and you still don't know me, Philip? Whoever has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Don't you believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? The words that I speak to you, I do not speak on my own. The Father who dwells in me is doing his works. Believe me that I am in the Father and the Father is in me. Or else believe because of the works themselves. Amen, amen, I say to you, whoever believes in me will do the works that I do. And will do greater ones than these because... I am going to the Father. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. So, uh, last Saturday morning, I got up and I decided to go for a run. Went down to the boardwalk. And uh, I did. Pretty, pretty good run. And then I got back to the rectory and as I was getting there, as I got into the rectory, I could see there was a, a couple uh, waiting in the rectory. I had an appointment, which I forgot about, um, so that's, that's why they were there. So I, you know, kind of apologized, I just completely forgot, and uh, they had been waiting 10 or 15 minutes. So I, uh, I said, all right, give me, give me 10 more minutes, if you would, and I ran upstairs, jumped in the shower, um, got out of the shower, I'm kind of rushing, because um, I'm late. I know this couple is waiting, so I'm, you know, kind of because of all that, I'm moving quick. I'm in my room, kind of getting dressed, and in the course of moving around quick, I smashed my toe um, on the corner of the bed. You know, you know, you hear these stories about people who, uh, they have like these, these near-death experiences. Like, I think I saw the light. Um... <laughs> I mean, I think I may have seen Jesus. It was that. It was really bad. It was, I was, it was excruciating. Um, so after uh, regaining consciousness and uh, wiping away tears, I uh, kind of got it together and I went back down to, to this, you know, very patient couple who was engaged to get married. Um, the next day, uh, my mom is at the 11 o'clock mass. It was a week ago right now. And uh, after Mass, we got lunch together. 
And then, uh, you know, at the course of lunch, I just told, I told her about my ordeal upstairs. I said, you know, I just crushed my toe. And so she's kind of asking me about it and giving me a little bit of advice. Um, told me to, you know, maybe put ice on it. If it really continues, you might have to go to the doctor. And I'm like, okay, you know, whatever. Well, three days after that, so I guess, yeah, it would be now like Wednesday, um, I'm getting ready to go into this meeting here. And uh, my phone rings, and it's, it's mom. And I'm like, oh, God, I, got I didn't really have a lot of time to talk, but I took the, I took the call. So I'm like, uh, hey, mom, like, what's up? Kind of like, quick. And she goes, uh, how's the toe? <laughs> I'm like, how's the what? Like, I didn't even, I didn't even kind of know what she was talking about. She said, how's your, how's your toe doing? So I was like, well, it's still hurting, in all honesty. In fact, it's still hurting right now as I speak to you. It's, it's still kind of killing me. Um, I couldn't believe she was thinking about my toe. <laughs> like, in, in a, days later, she's got her own life. And she's worrying about my pinky toe, which is kind of hurting me. Um, mothers are amazing. You know, they're just, they think about people in ways that it's just very different. Um, I was thinking about, got me thinking about my dad. Uh, I was thinking, he never would have called about my, my toe. <laughs> just no way. Uh, he wouldn't even remembered that I hurt my toe. But there's other things he would have called me about. Like he would have called me, say I had some big project I was working on, and I had told him about. I would have gotten a call from him about that. Or he would have called me about, you know, yeah, some important meeting, if I had a big funeral that I had told him that was coming, he would have remembered it, would have given me a call afterwards to see how it went. It's just interesting how we're different, how we really are different. Um, mothers, fathers, men, women, boys, girls. And I think it's what's really interesting is like today, like in the culture that we're in, the times that we're in, I mean, there's... Attempts, you know, which, you know, suggest or even in some cases mandate like, you know, gender neutrality. We're kind of a sameness. We're, we're all the same. Or, or it's up to us to decide kind of who we are. And, you know, we've got a, a sort of a political, politically correct thinking which tells us one thing or a sort of a secular secular influences which are can also tell us something the way we we need to think the way we need to see reality but very often like reality kind of tells us the opposite you're like oh, I don't know I don't I don't I don't think we're all the same I, I think men are different than women you know, this isn't like universal in all cases and absolutes, but the difference between my father and my mother, like I, I don't think I'm alone there. I remember teaching this, ca uh, this class when I was working in the high school uh, sophomore religion class. and It was an assignment that I gave the kids. I asked them to uh, 
I said, I think I'll come up with five gospel stories, Jesus stories, uh, that you, that you kind of connect most with. So stories which, you know, you kind of relate most to, or you're, maybe something about Jesus that you particularly respect in this story. So stories that you think most represent who Jesus is. And, you know, write them up. List them and then, t- and then say why you think these are the most kind of reflective of Jesus. And it was like a, re- um, a reflection paper. So it wasn't like, you know, a right-wrong kind of a thing. It was, I wanted them to think about Jesus and tell me why they thought what they thought. Anyway, they did it. It was like a two-page little assignment. And I remember grading these, reading them and kind of grading them. And I don't know, I was probably maybe into the like ninth or tenth one. And then I compl- completely saw this kind of pattern developing. Like the guys wrote certain things about Jesus and the girls wrote other things. So they, they se- one group selected a, a certain stories and the other group other ones. You know, the guys, I mean, this, this particular story, I think every boy in the class had this in, in his top five. It's when Jesus uh, clears out the temple, when he flips the tables over, he drives the money changes out. It's just sort of this, you know, kind of almost violent, kind of aggressive, masculine kind of an image. Well, all the guys tapped into that. Exorcism stories of Jesus, where he's, he's like kind of battling the devil, he's driving the devil out. Kind of the drama of that. They, they had those stories... Stories where he was just sort of confronting the authorities, standing up to the Pharisees, standing up to, to Pilate, kind of just showing this, you know, that his boldness and this kind of courage and confidence. They were the stories that, that the, the boys had. And the girls, the girls, I think, actually were probably better. There was kind of like more depth to what the ladies had to say. Not that the guys were wrong. They were all valid stories. You know, but the girls... They talked about, you know, they selected stories where Jesus was uh, forgiving people, engaging people, people who had, you know, the, the Pharisees, the, I mean, the, uh, the prostitutes, the tax collectors, people who, had every, who everybody else had given up on and Jesus wouldn't. They selected those stories. Healings, just bringing pe- moments where he brought people the healing that they needed. Conversations, conversation, places where Jesus would go that nobody else went. Conversations he had with people, the, the, the Samaritan woman at the well. Nobody would talk to a Samaritan woman. Jesus did. They tapped into that. You know, some of it overlapped. You know, both of the guys and girls had the Christmas story and the resurrection. But I'm telling you, there was like a pattern. There were differences. You know, I think it's this. You get like a group of people in a room, and you ask them all to take a look at this painting on the wall. Take a minute and look at it, and, t- and, then, and then you describe kind of what you see. You're all looking at the same thing. You're going to get a bunch of different responses. Everybody listen to the same song right now. Everybody listen to the same song and listen to the, the words of the song. You, t- you tell us what it means. You've got a bunch of people. They're going to hear different things, depending on where they are in their life, maybe experiences that they've had recently. That's going to impact on what they see, what they hear. Yeah, but it's the same thing. Yeah, I know, but we're different. We interpret things differently. And it's not just a guy-girl thing. It just could be a life thing. Personality thing. A life experience thing. I think that's part of what Jesus gets frustrated with in this gospel this morning. 
He's like fed up. He says to Philip, are you got it? Are you serious? Philip, how many times? How long have you been with me? You still don't realize who I am? You're still separating me from the Father. He's like, the Father and I are the same. You can't separate us. And Philip's like, well, just tell us who the Father is. He's like, you know who the Father is if you know me. And this was the Last Supper. This wasn't the first supper. This was the last. It wasn't like the day after he called these disciples to follow him. Three years before they had been with him for years. And they're still kind of not quite getting it. Well, one of the reasons they didn't quite get it was because they had ideas of the way God was going to be. And it didn't always connect with who Jesus was. You know, a lot of these guys wanted a warrior to come in, a warrior Messiah. They, they saw God as somebody who would come in and drive these Romans out, these, these foreign oppressors, and get them out of our country and chop their heads off in the process if that was needed. Well, clearly that wasn't Jesus. So they had these conflicts. It was like when they wanted God to be a certain way and Jesus wasn't expressing that, they would just create these, they didn't see them as the same. Look at what he says here. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you know me, then you know the Father. Whoever sees me, sees the Father. You know what I think the temptation is? Was for them and is for us? We create our own image or idea of who God is. So that it fits what we want. It fits the life we're living. It's almost like, you know, when you're working on the computer, you, know, you cut and paste something. You're putting some sort of a program, some kind of a document together. Well, I'm going to cut and paste. I'll, I'll take a little, I like this, so I'm going to take that, boom, that's on, on my, my project. But now this part, this image I don't like, I'll get rid of that, and I'll add and subtract. And then I create my own. Well, hey, when you're working on the computer and you're doing it, fine. It doesn't really cut it when we're looking at God. You can't cut and paste things with God. It's like, it's like the kid, when the kid's game telephone you know it begins over here and like they, this is what the story is well 15 kids later down here it's like it doesn't even resemble at the end what it was in the beginning I think we sometimes do that with God we create a concept of God that matches or complements who we are and what we want and I think that's the problem I think the goal is to discover the God who challenges who we are. So that which needs to be challenged gets challenged. So I become a little less of who I am and move toward the way Jesus is. And if I'm more like Jesus, then that means I am like God. I am what God wants. I was reading this or this uh, review of this book. It was written by this... Um, you know, this corporate executive, really successful guy. He, he worked for the uh, NBA. But the book is about like business ethics. So it's basically like you can make a lot of money and you can be very successful and you don't have to sell your soul. Like to, to, to be successful but at the same time do the right thing. Anyway, he tells this story about this, uh, this guy who's driving a truck. He he's, pulls into this uh, gas station or auto repair shop really, a mechanic's place. And he goes in, he asks for the, uh, the owner, the owner comes out and he says, listen, I'm, I'm representing my company, the truck driver, and he goes, uh, we're looking for a place where we can service our trucks when we're coming through your area. It's a good stopover place. 
So we'd like to kind of do you know do what we need to do for our trucks. You know, would that be okay? So the the owner guy says, well, hang on, let me go see. He goes out and he looks to see at his truck. He goes, this, these are the trucks you're talking about. He goes, yeah. He says we got a whole fleet of them. And he goes, yeah, no problem. We 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 service them all the time. So the guy goes, great. And then he says this. This is the guy who was, you know, looking for the help. He goes, uh, now listen. From time to time, I may ask you to add a few parts and services to the bill. After you get paid, you'll keep a little extra cash for yourself and give me the rest when I come through. It's an arrangement I've made with several of the mechanics who work for us. So this guy, like, is kind of processing it all, and he goes, well, that's not going to happen. And um, the guy goes, listen, I, I come through this place a couple of times a month. This could be a really sweet deal for you. The guy goes, well, I'm not interested. And he pushes it further. He's like, listen, you know, only, you're a fool if you, don't, if you don't do this. And the guy goes, listen, this is over. Get out. I'm not, I'm not doing business with you now. And this is what the guy says, the truck guy. Well, it's not the way I do business either. I own this trucking company. I'm looking for a mechanic in the area that I can trust. I didn't mean to offend you, but I got burned by a driver a few years back. Ever since then, I test the waters, so to speak. I want somebody who's going to be honest. You know, I mean, we all know people who just, they rewrite the rules. Or they at least kind of like shave the corners off the rules. You know, this isn't quite honest, but everybody's kind of doing it. Everybody cheats here. Everybody, you know, trims this or does that. If everybody else does, why shouldn't I? Well, because it's wrong. Because it goes against what Jesus said. And if Jesus is God, well, that means it goes against God's truth, God's law. And I was talking to uh, Tom Griffin uh, a couple of days ago. He teaches, uh, he's our youth minister here, and he also teaches down at Long Beach Catholic. And he was uh, in class, and he was, um, I guess he was talking about the commandments, and was getting... Uh, preparing to talk about keeping holy the Sabbath. And um, he said he was a little concerned about it because uh, the reality is most of the kids are not going to church. Like, really most aren't. Maybe 7 out of 10, maybe 8 out of 10. So we got a problem. Um, but he was thinking, all right, how do I, how do I present... How do I explain what keeping the Sabbath holy really means? And you kind of do the historical perspective and what Jesus saw with the Sabbath. And, you know, what, what does that mean for us today? And so he explained it. He just said, hey, I, Sunday's different. You know, Sunday we need to be here. Sunday we need to be together. We need, to, we need to be among people of faith. We need to receive the sacrament. If we're not receiving the Eucharist, then, man, we are distancing ourselves from Christ, the power of Christ. So he's describing it, and and he's, and I, I guess a kid says, "Well, like, is, so you're saying it's like a sin? Is it a sin to not go to church?" And he's like, "Well, yeah. I mean, it's it's one of the commandments. I mean, it's not they're not the ten suggestions. It's, it's a commandment. You know. Now maybe you say, well, maybe the parents own that." Maybe it's, you know, if, if, if the kids have been raised in a family where they never go to church, is it really that eighth grader's fault? You know, maybe arguably not. 
Although down in Long Beach, we all have bikes. You know, get on your bike. That's what we say now. Mom and dad aren't going. Get on your bike and drive to church. I mean, it is realistic. But it's interesting how, like, even Tom is like, okay, you know, how do I sort of, how do I say this? And how do I communicate this? How do I be faithful to the truth? But at the same time, not, I don't want to make these kids feel terrible, but I got to challenge these kids. Look at our cultures. Like, when things become sort of uncomfortable, we just kind of shift things. We create our own sense of what God wants. I mean, somebody who's got a, you know, somebody who has a real tough time with forgiveness. Somebody who's like, you know, I, I cannot, you know, somebody who, you know, just seeks vengeance when somebody has done something wrong. And you're like, well, that's not really the way Jesus was. Well, you know what? I don't agree with that. Okay, well, then start your own church. But that's, that's not, that's not what we believe. I'm not saying we will do it. I'm not saying it's easy, but it's the truth. There's the goal. I got to get to that point. It's not, I'm not going to rewrite it. I'm not going to move the, the, the goalpost in so that I'm now hitting field goals. The goalposts stay where they are. I got to get better at finding the goalpost. You know, but I just think in a lot of levels, we're, we're living in a time where it's like, well, just move things around. You know, speaking of the school, I was down there last year when Stephen McDonald spoke. He spoke to, uh, to the school. It must have been, you know, it was only a couple of months before he died. And, you know, if you've heard, if you ever heard him speak, I heard him a couple of times. It's, he was amazing. He was just like a, he like almost, he'd take your breath away almost by his witness, by his example. And, you know, part of it was his condition. You know, he was in this wheelchair and he was, you know, remarkably paralyzed and, you know, he had a machine helping him to breathe and his, Speaking was very difficult for him. So you, you, know, you couldn't not notice all that and be moved by that. But that wasn't it. It wasn't just a pity party. You didn't just look at him and feel sorry for him at all. You were inspired by him. Because what Stephen McDonald said was, the guy that put me in this chair, the guy that is responsible for the situation I'm in right now, I have forgiven him. And it wasn't just talk. It, was, it weren't just words. He meant it. He lived it. What Stephen McDonald said was, if this is what God wants, if this is how God is, I have to get there. Maybe we're not there today, but I got to get there. I can't be okay with saying, no, I don't have to go that way. I'm going to go this way. That way is not getting me to God's truth. You know what I think we felt that sort of hard-to-grasp reality that we people collectively felt when they witnessed Stephen McDonald, it was the presence of a saint. It was the presence of holiness. Saints don't cut and paste. Neither should we. Thank you for listening to this week's homily. Once again, look out for our next episode later this week where Father Brian joins me for some great discussion. Also, don't forget if you've got a question for Father Brian, you can send an email to beachcatholicpodcast at gmail.com or you can connect with us at facebook.com slash beachcatholicpodcast. If you haven't already, please subscribe to the podcast by downloading the iTunes app for iPhones and the Stitcher app for all other devices. And as always, please share with your loved ones. We'll be back later this week, and until then, God bless.